Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's going on? Happy Tuesday to everybody. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, Coach Max said to join us in just about 20 minutes, so we'll get into Titans and Colts. Then we'll look ahead to Titans and Jaguars. Uh, a little bit of news that came out yesterday afternoon. Adam Schefter reported A.J. Brown as a strained hamstring. He's expected to be considered week to week. Uh, this comes on top of Julio Jones being tight or being um, load managed or whatever was going on. Um, so Not doing his job. Um, we got to add that to the list. And, and, but, and we, we should put put that out as a question. Uh, uh, we, I know we had a poll question today, but that was not it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that you know that whole situation is just kind of interesting because Rabel actually had to have a press conference to say he was not sitting because of his performance. Uh, is more so because he got tight. Uh, when situations like this happen, I would love to hear from Julio. Yeah. And ask him, was he tight? That's how you decide on what was really going on. Julio, were you tight? Did you ask him? Because Julio had his helmet sitting on top of the bench Mm -hmm. where they keep your helmets. Like, he knew he wasn't going in Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it was. So that tells me uh, he was injured. Or he was told he's not going back in because he would have had his helmet in his hand. Uh, so, you know, I'm just reading by what I'm seeing. Uh, I could be told off base, but that it's one of the two. That's it. There's no in-between on this. So I love to hear Julio say, yeah, I was tight. Tight where? My whole body was tight. My back, my neck. Did you see me run down that uh, interception guy? Neck half ain't got nothing on me. That's when I got tight. I wanted to see him say that. Guess what? All talk ends. Bing. Yeah. Done. I had because a- the coach can tell us whatever he wants to tell us. Right. And, you know, we just got to take it with a grain of salt and believe that he's telling the truth. But we all know coaches don't always tell the outright truth to whether it's an injury or his decision. You know, he may have made a decision that he just didn't want him out there. He thought, oh, he needs some rest. We can go with the guys we got. And guess what? Those guys, they performed. And that's why they're on the roster. If if you remember Sunday, I, I read that this this was the quote from Mike Vrabel on Sunday. Lucas, I think you still have the audio from yesterday. Lucas is answering a couple of phone calls here. Uh, Mike Vrabel got asked on Sunday, what's what happened with Julio Jones not playing down the stretch? And this was what Vrabel said. I think as this thing played out, we tried to manage where he's at and understand what type of game that we thought the end of the game was going to be. And those guys are going in there trying to dig safeties out. We'll keep looking at those guys. And there's a lot of guys that are going to need some rest this week. A lot of guys, they played a hard physical game. And hopefully we can be ready when we head up to New York. So John Glennon, who was on with us yesterday, had tweeted at the time, Mike Vrabel is talking about Julio Jones and maybe not playing because he would be, have been required to block a lot. Or uh, it, mm-hmm. Essentially, and John, if you're listening, I'm trying to paraphrase your tweet, but when you hear that talking about digging out safeties, that's receivers blocking down the field. Yeah, I mean that's all it is. And maybe he just didn't feel like, okay, Julio's a good blocker, but this is a good time for us to get him some rest. Right. And we'll put some of the younger guys out there who are going to do everything they can to block the guy because Cam Bass, Westbrook, Akina, Racy, McMath. Yeah. But if that was the case, why couldn't he just say that? Or did he say that? He just said it differently. 
He said, hey, we, we, we felt like we were going to run the football, and uh, we, we put some young guys out there to block. Yeah. And it was a good opportunity to get Julio some rest. That's all he had to say. It's a long season. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even had a lot. It was, we gave him some rest. And it, it just, you know, I lost grasp of where we were at because we were still running the football. Yeah. This is what Mike Vrabel said yesterday. He got asked about it two or three times. This was him yesterday. The Julio Jones topic came up again, as, as you expect. And then, you know, as it relates to your question, you know, about Julio, you know, guys go through games, guys, you know, guys get tight. And, you know, I felt like it was in the best interest uh, of our football team and everybody involved um, that he be available in, in an emergency situation at that point in time. Um, there hasn't been other than one admitted, um, I would say, lapse in judgment in the first game, uh, which everybody would agree on, myself, the team, Julio, there hasn't been one situation uh, where I um, was was disappointed. He's played physical. He came back, played great last week, played, played physical uh, yesterday, um, and that's that's where we were. <clears throat> you say tight, Mike. Guys, guys get tight throughout the game, so – we we're not yeah. physically tight, yeah. So, listen, guys, this is going to be the the least I talk about injuries. So this is what we do. Um, there was this is this is not an issue with his performance. This isn't an issue uh, with anything other than you know me making a decision um, and and saying, hey man, let's let's see if we can you know get through this and and survive and win this football game and see if you know there's a you know it's a long season. Long season, Blaine. Yeah, man. When I hear games. I hear that now, it's not believable. This, uh, when I hear that, it, I feel like he just made a decision to take him out for whatever reason. I just, I don't, I don't know if he was tight or not. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Hey, man, you go over there and get some Gatorade, and with all the other stuff that they put in the Gatorade to make sure you you hydrate it. Hey, man. Till you get some of that down, then you get back out there. That would have been my mindset if I'm the head coach. Just me, though. I don't know about that one. You know, because in there he kept saying, I made a decision what was best for the team. And in his mind, he thought the best thing was for you to go stand, whether you was tight, injured, not injured, nothing wrong with you. At all, it, it, I don't. I don't. You know, that's. I think he was going to make that decision regardless. He felt like that was the best thing going. Got now. Oh. Here's what I love about Julio, though. He's not. He didn't. He didn't complain. You could see it on the TV copy. Mm-hmm. He's just standing there and wondering, like, hmm, wonder why I'm not out there. That's how he looked. Mm-hmm. Now I can be totally off, but he put his helmet on top. Like I'm not going back in. Yeah. And then they show him. We have to realize now we have a superstar on our team, regardless of the numbers. Everybody's watching. Mm-hmm. You, Coach Vrabel, and Julio. He's a national big figure guy. And then they show him going over there to get his helmet off the bench, on the top of the bench where they keep their helmets. So obviously then he was told that he could go back in because then he goes and gets his helmet. So that, that this was kind of interesting. You know, you know, everybody, you know, Vrabel's a disciple of Belichick and everything else, but that that was more Belichickian to me than anything he's done so far. 
Uh, except he's not Belichick. Yeah. He, he 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 he's not he's not that guy because he doesn't have any championship ring. So nobody's gonna question a coach who has those rings in their hands full of Super Bowl rings. So you know, coaches don't like to be questioned. Like he said, "I made a decision that was best for the team." Guess when they say that, coaches? That means end of discussion. Yeah. I've said in front of a lot of them, and I don't want to, this ain't the end of the discussion, coach. No, 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 no. I want to be out there. I want to help my team. I want to help my brothers. So this was kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's a long week. It's only Tuesday. Obviously, the Titans' day off. But uh, Rob Moore had spoke earlier uh, and said, I probably played Julio and A.J. Brown too much in game one. He said he wanted to dial it back a little bit since he said Julio has been a consummate professional since he's been here. That was from his wide receiver coach earlier today, Rob Moore. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you expect nothing less. Yeah, that's all the quotes out there on Twitter, what Coach uh, Moore has said. And, yeah, he did. But guess what? Remember they said that about Landry? Mm -hmm. Oh, we got to get him more rest the next season. Well, that was last season. He played more snaps. He played all of them on Sunday. They don't give a rat you-know-what about no snaps. Stop that, Coach Moore. I know you want to make sure you, you stay in line, but that we all know it doesn't even matter. We're about winning. And if you can't help us win, then go stand on the side. Then you don't need to be dressing. Let, let's take you it. Do all the, you do too much. You, I want to see more reps. Myself, personally. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, uh, let's let's take. We got phone calls. Let's let's try to take one or two right quick because I know we got to get to Coach Mac. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Michael and Gallatin wants to talk Julio. Hey, Michael. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I was watching the game, and I don't know. Not many of y'all are talking about this, but I think it was in the third quarter they were punting the ball to us, giving us the ball back. They showed Julio on the sidelines going to grab his helmet behind the bench. He was standing this next to AJ, and he gave him a really smug, very I don't know what what he said to him. But he had that face like, dude, come on, man. And I think what happened, I think, throughout that game was that I guess when Julio was out there by himself, there was just no openings for him at all. He was probably getting frustrated because I'm pretty sure after the after the half, he didn't even get targeted once. Or maybe he did. I mean, I just didn't even notice it. But I think it was – I mean, I think something was said to AJ, to, you know, by Julio because it was on the telecast, and then they cut the scene pretty quickly after they said he was, he was questionable to return. But – I just want to see what y'all – did y'all even see that? I'd like to hear about it, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Michael, thank you. I need to go back and watch the second half again. I, I've watched it. I've watched the TV. Well, they show him standing there next to you you're talking to each other is what he's talking about, yep. right? Yep. But I don't know what happened. But then after that, that's when Julio kind of – I think maybe a little while later, I don't know how far of a gap it was after they kind of conversation. But I was just assuming he's asking him, hey, man, how you doing, you know, how serious is it? And, you know, guys are going to give you the customer answer. I, I don't know what's going on with it. it just, man, it's tightened up on me. I, I, it's not loosening up. Every time I start trying to, you know, burst, it, it tightens up. Yeah. And I don't want to make it worse. I'm assuming that was the conversation. I, I have no idea. Yeah, and it's and not being lip readers. I mean, it's just it's just hard to read something into something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's get Rob no real idea. quick. Rob in Nashville. Rob, thank you for calling. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on. Um, now, I was I was wondering the same thing uh, to myself, but could it be uh, that Rabel might have took him out because he was afraid maybe he would get hurt? Uh, because if he down two receivers, um, 
then, you know, he uh, Ty's really in trouble. And then Julio, you know, let's face it, I like Julio. I think he's dynamic. But as, you know, time goes on, we get a little bit older. So, you know, they kind of in, invested a whole lot into him considerably with the age that he is. Uh, he's still dynamic, but I don't know if he could have been thinking like that. But Hey, Rob, hey, anyhow, man, hey. I wish – we're up against the break, buddy. I do appreciate the phone call. We're just really late for a commercial break. Um, just of his phone call, though. Well, maybe he was afraid he would get hurt. Uh, I, you, I'm sure you would have some thoughts on that that you would like to share before we go to this commercial break. Nope. <laughs> that would that is. And, and and by the way, remember I said this conversation before the season started. History tells you whenever you trade for wide receiver. They really don't make that big of an impact in wins and losses until maybe playoffs. Yeah. Right. So maybe they should be doing a better job, or he should, Julio, put the onus on him, maybe backing down practice a little bit. I want you on game day. I know what you can do. So, but, you know, he wants to get in rhythm with the offense and the quarterback and things like that. So got to practice. You know, that's that was the knock. Nobody could say anything bad about Julio Jones in Atlanta. Besides, sometimes he don't practice. Yeah, yeah, because he needs to rest. That way, he have fresh legs. Well, when you lose utilizing a guy like that, and he's a special talent, you give him those, uh, you know, those kudos. So maybe they should do that instead of in an actual game. Because if I'm a head coach, actual game, I can give a rat's butt about caring about. It. Oh, I got to protect you to get hurt. What, what do you think the Henry's saying? What do you think Tannehill's saying? What do you think Ben Jones is saying? I mean, go down the lane, everybody. Everybody, everybody it's a, that's the risk reward, man. We're giving you 15, 16, 18 million dollars, whatever it is. Hey, man, get out there. Right. Remember, I said that about Marcus. Get out hey, there. Yeah, put him out there in some form or fashion. You're paying him $15 million. They put him out there, start doing some read options and all kind of stuff. Do something. If you you don't be standing on the sideline, you lost your job. Okay, cool, but we're going to utilize you and so forth. You're fast. Let's use them. We got to get to Coach Mack fast and use him. Coach Mack, coming up next <laughs> to Talk Titans, Blaine and Mickey. Yeah. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. You hear that music. It only means one thing. Coach Dave McGinnis is on with us. Time for the Mac attack again. Coach, anytime you can suit up on a Sunday, and when you leave, your biggest rival in division is 0-3, and you did that to them, that's got to be a pretty darn good feeling rocking into the locker room. Yeah, it really is, Mickey. Good afternoon, Mickey and Blaine. Absolutely it is. And and that was a game that the, the Titans had to win. No matter how you do it, you had to win that game. You know, because the Seattle game became a must win because of, of what did not happen in week one. And this game, you know, transferred into the AFC and transferred into the division. And so you find a way to win it, you win it, you you, you put it on the stack, and then you go to the next one because we've got a stack of AFC games coming up. So here we go. It's interesting hearing Mike Vrabel kind of saying what a lot of us were thinking after the game. It, it, the Titans always put out his, his post-game speech and he said there were a bunch of guys in this room who woke up this morning having no idea the role they were going to play in this game. But when they all got put in, they all played well. He talked about Breon Borders and, and, and some of those other guys who really, they got contributions all up and down the roster on Sunday. 
Well, I mean, everybody needs to expect to play. If you're on an active roster, you've got to expect to play. And I'm at practice every day. They, 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 they practice everybody, you know, in a role. They coach everybody pretty hard all during the week. And regardless, they coach guys on the practice squad pretty hard because, you know, you can always call two of those guys up. And so, you know, they, if you're on an NFL roster, whether you're on a practice squad nowadays because of the lenient rules where you can bring them up and put them back down and you can bring them up 24 hours ahead, uh, all of those things are. There's nobody that's not essential that that that's on a that's on a team, and so everybody has to be ready to play because that's why you are on a team is to play when you're called on to play. Yeah, 46 people active on game day, coach. That's a numbers crunch right there. You got to make some decisions, and everybody who suits up has got to step up. That's for sure. Coach Dave McGinnis, our guest, same time. Same day, every week, brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage and affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. Coach Mack on with Blaine and Mickey. <laughs> well, Coach, uh, you've been a head coach in this league. And, man, I'm just interested. In this day and age, you know, I, I know when I played and, and when you were coaching, I don't know if you had to manage players, you know, playing time based off of their health, but – how difficult is that to manage even throughout the practice week leading up to game, just managing players and making sure that they're peaking on Sunday and not actually on Friday and make sure they get the proper rest and everything else, but yet let alone getting the reps that they need to make sure they're on the right course uh, for the game plan. Yeah, Blaine, it's essential. I mean, you have to be able to do it. Absolutely, I did it when I was the head coach. I mean, I had guys that I had to – you know, depending on where they were, depending on where they were physically to start the season and where they were as each game progresses, because as you well know, look, you did it for a lot of years. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a car wreck out there, you know, for <laughs> however many snaps you're out there for three hours. I mean, it is. And so it, it takes a while to regroup and you have to be very in tune. You got to be in tune with your medical people, but more importantly, you got to be in tune with each player and it's each player individually. And I've had players that I've, that I've had to manage like that. And, you know, some of them, you know, liked it and some of them didn't. I mean, I'd, I've told the story before about Kyle Vandenbeis about to come across my desk, choke me out, you know, for not, for not, you know, for not playing him. I mean, I had Emmett Smith at the end of his career, you know, I had to manage him and say, look, e, you need to stand here for a while. You don't need to be. A... So those types of things, and you have to do, you know, in, in, in conjunction with the player, because here's, here's what head coaches. I've, I've been in that. I've been on that sideline. I've, I've been a head coach you know, in this league. And here's the, here's the one thing that's at the forefront of your mind, no matter what goes on all through the week. And then all during that game, how am I going to win this game? How am I going to win this game? Not only how am I going to win this game, how am I going to win this game and, and still be able to utilize the people that I have up. And also how am I going to be able to get these people to the next game? That's, that's constantly what's on your mind. And so, you know, every decision that it, look, Frank Reich, how about Frank Reich coming in here? He's got two completely healthy quarterbacks and chooses to, to play a guy that's got both angles completely taped up. Well, you know, he's probably getting crushed for that up there at Indy, but I, I promise you Frank Reich didn't make the decision saying, you know what, this will probably get us beat, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't happen in this league. doesn't happen. Well, I thought some guys really stepped up, some great role players, but, you know, even uh, guys who started, Quisenberry, what were your thoughts on how he's played uh, up to this point? I kind of like him, Mickey. I mean, uh, Blaine. I don't know if you watched him very close. I know that you break the film down, Blaine. Pretty, pretty. Uh, I like what he's done. And here's here's what's happened. You know, with, with those with those you know those Sambreo and 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 Quiz. They've been asked to do that 
you know, for a couple of seasons. And every time they've been asked to do it, they've stepped up and done a really, really good job. And so that's how you get confidence in those guys. And so when you get that chance, if you're a, if you're a quote, a backup player, you know, and, and again, with, with the rosters the way they are and with the rosters being turned over about 33% every year, you know, everybody has got to be uh, ready and able to play. And if you're in that kind of position, Blaine, and you step up to play like that, then all you have done is solidified your chance to stay on that roster and be a contributor even more. Because to me, see, the days of having one guy start and just play the whole thing. Now, sometimes if, if, you're, if you're low at a position, some guy may have to take an extraordinary amount of snaps. But I, I, I thought Quiz has done a really, really good job. That offensive line has impressed me because, you know, it, it's, been, it's been a little bit patchwork just because of, what, of, of, of the people coming back from off-season surgery and then starting the season, not a lot of time to work together. But these last couple of weeks, I mean, they've done a really nice job and they need to continue to do that. It definitely stepped up. I guess I was talking about the role players. Let's talk about how them stepping up pays dividends along this season later down the road. Well, that's, that's huge, Blaine. And look, you, you've been a leader in a locker room before. How much more confidence do you get? I mean, you watch guys when, when, when you were a player, and I know this is true, you practiced hard, but you also watched how those other guys behind mm-hmm. you practiced too. You watched them, and, and, and you know, if this guy comes in, can I count on him? If, if it's on my side of the ball or even on the other side of the ball because everybody is interconnected, as you well, as you well know. And so when they step in, they step into a, a role like that in, on game day, on game day where it counts, and they're able to produce, well, then that gives you even more confidence. And you know as well as I do, the way you gain respect in an NFL locker room is are you mentally prepared and are you phys- and do you practice during the week with with the the plan in mind and then are you physically not only able to do it but are you physically you know tough enough when you've got that kind of mindset to play and produce in a real game and and that makes a big difference especially to the veterans in the locker room it's really important yeah no doubt we are with coach Mack giving us the Mack attack Coach, I was, as always, listening to Titans Radio on Sunday. That's the only way to, to do this. You turn the sound down on the TV. You listen to you and Mike Keith. It's the best experience you can possibly get. That's the way you do it. You were talking about how Eberflus and the Colts came out early like everybody does, tries to stop Derrick Henry. He eventually, though, and the offensive line wore him down. He gets his 100 yards again. And, Coach, we were talking to Pro Football Focus earlier. They've thrown him the ball 12 times this year, and he's caught all of them. Derrick Henry's 12 for 12 on targets. He is evolving as a player. It's fun to watch. Yeah, he's never not been able to, to not catch. I mean, you know, I, I watched, I've watched the guy practice ever since, you know, he's been here and I've been here. I mean, the guy, the guy can catch. And now what, now what they're starting to be able to do is, is you, saw, you, you saw Todd Downing empty the formation once through him. He was the number three guy on a 3-2 split, clear out on the outside guy, on the wide guy, and threw to him. And look. When he catches it out there, if that, corner's, if that corner or the backer that walked out on him then is not pressed up on him, he's going to have a run and start at you, and that's not a fun proposition either. And so, you know, they're, they're using him very, very well. But to your point, Mickey, about the offensive line, that's the only way you can run the ball. Hey, hey Blaine, you watch, you watch their safety. You watch, you watch the safety for Indy. And you saw him when they had those eight-man fronts. He was 21 yards deep. I mean, he was – wasn't he? I mean, you saw it. Yeah. I mean, I, I kept mentioning it. All. I said, this this dude is deep. And so what that tells me is 
uh, they know when, 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 when they're lining up and they've got those solid fronts across and they've got their corners up that the quarterback's going to take some shots. So basically they put that, that safety back there right in the middle of that deep so that he can lap to either side if a takeoff route is thrown. And so that's how people are going to play this football team because Derrick Henry, again, even if he doesn't break the long run, he's still going to batter and bruise you in the third and fourth quarters, which is what's important. Coach Mack, you and Mike were having this exchange. Uh, Titans scored the touchdown. It looked like they were going to go for two. And, and Mike essentially asked you, what do you run here? And you said, well, if they're out there, that means Mike Vrabel has something he really likes. And they had a run play that was blocked and executed perfectly. He obviously had seen something, and they nailed that call. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I just I've done this too long as a coach, and whenever you you immediately make that decision there, because I mean, you know, you could have gone up by eight, which would have been okay too. But he he knew he had some he had something in his pocket. And as I say, I watch him practice, and that's all I'll say about that. But but he knew, and especially, and you saw where they ran, they ran to the right side of the offensive line. Yes, sir. And so you know, and you you go back and watch it. You know, go back and look at it and see they're a little bit tilted over there on that other side. So absolutely. You know, but that comes from film study and that comes from preparation. And you always prepare for those for, for those unusuals. You call them unusuals so that if they come up, this is what we're going to do. And when you prepare and then you do it and it's successful, that even gives your squad more confidence in the next time something comes up or you work on something during the week. Got Coach Mack on for our weekly visit, giving you the Mack attack, courtesy of our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. Hmm. Well, Coach, I, I wanted to get your thoughts being a defensive-minded coach. I'm interested in hearing about the the holding, the pass interference. Oh, I, I don't blame, even blame. Oh, both sides. I mean, but it was all over the league. I mean, just kind of take us through that process of what you see and what they're calling now. I hate it. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. And you know why? You know where I hate it? I hate it when it's away from the play. Right. I mean, I, I hate it when it's away from the play. You played in the secondary in the National Football well, League. I was holding Everybody, all over the place, Coach. <laughs> yes, you'd be mad at me right and, now. And, 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 and guess what else happens? Guess what else happens? Receivers push off all the time too, right? And so, to me, if it's away from the play, and I mean, and and uh, you know, uh, it, we, our last pod, our first podcast, uh, Titans, Amy and I had, you know, we had Mike Pereira on, and he was the best when he was in charge of this. It was the best. I mean, that bothers me a lot. It really does. I mean, it, it because those are those that 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 call. You know, we had two critical calls like that. They did too. That call. And the pass interference calls are the most are, are the most damaging calls in the National Football League because they they give you a new set of downs. And you guys know, and our listeners are sophisticated enough, and I know our, our, our people that listen to Mike and I on the radio on Sundays are sophisticated enough to know, you start giving people in this day and age more shots at you on offense, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, I, I, I hate that, and I'm glad you brought it up. Blaine, because you know, you guys know, I'll say what I'm feeling up there. And, you know, sometimes I can't because what I say might get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I know. Well, with Coach Mack giving us a Mack attack, I guess one more question really in the line of this is how I felt. And maybe not every time that we watched film, but after a win, I'd walk out of the meeting room after the film room not feeling so good. But after a loss, I always felt like I walked out of there, I'm going in there sad and pissed and mad that I didn't do what I needed to do if it was just one player or five plays. And I usually walked out of those meetings uh, feeling a lot better. Kind of take us through as a coach what your plan is when you go into meetings after games to talk to the players at position groups 
uh, how what's your plan of attack and approach about a win or a loss, or does that even have anything to do with how you? No, it absolutely does. You you played long enough. I coached. I'm telling you, it has everything to do with it. Because here's the thing: when you get beat, when you get beat, everybody feels awful, mm-hmm. awful. You lose a game in the National Football League. It's it's awful. It's like you yes. can't even breathe. And you know that, and I know that. Yes. So bring your team back in on Monday after, and when everybody's feeling awful, their families are feeling awful. You know, you got people in for the game. You didn't even want to go out to eat with them. You just everybody leave me alone. <laughs> Let me go in my room, turn out the lights. Okay. So you bring your team in, and then you're going to start hammering them again to make them feel worse. And you've got a game you got to get ready for. No, correct it, and then move on. Now, when you win, I mean, just the, op- the polar opposite, everybody's feeling great. Everybody's feeling great. And so what you need to do is bring it back to reality and say, hey, we won, but look at this. See, they had a, they had a great opportunity. I mean, those mm-hmm. film sessions this week, I know I would have loved to have been in on them because, hey, we won, but we're not going to win many games when we're minus three, you know, turnover ratio. We're just not going to do it. We can't do it. We can't drop balls inside. We can't drop balls inside the five. We can't turn it over to them. You know, great job defense of playing sudden change there and, and making them kick at field goals. And this is what we always say, no matter how far they move it down the field, make them kick at a field goal. And we always have a chance. All of those teachable moments you can use, but everybody is receptive to it because you still got that great feeling of accomplishment of winning the game. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters in the National Football League. That and health is what matters in the National Football League. So you're you're spot on, Blaine. And and it and it it's it, it it because it has to be like that. Because if you don't really have a feel as a coach and think, you know what, I'm just going to hammer these guys every time on everything, doesn't work. And you know it, and I know it. Mm. Well, lastly, uh, you know, naturally it was Oilers weekend, and Billy Weissus Johnson did his, <laughs> you know, Westbrook Akina did the yeah. dance which was really Mickey's highlight of the weekend. Oh, fabulous. So what did you think about all of that? Uh, That was pretty uh, cool. Mike Mike Keith and I both looked at each other when he did it. We went, Mickey Ryan's loving this. (laughs) Because, I mean, Mickey has professed his love for Billy White Shoes. Mickey said he wore number 84 when he was when he was playing his his youth football, uh, I thought it was absolutely fabulous. I thought that uh, let, let's bring that back just a minute. I thought Amy Adams Strunk and what the what the organization did, bringing back all those Oilers and, and putting Bum Phillips and having Wade and and the family here to all of that into the Ring of Honor. I thought it was absolutely fabulous. But first of all, you know Billy White Shoes Johnson is still a character. All right, number one, you saw mm-hmm. you saw when he took the sword as a twelfth man and jabbed it in. He did that. To me, and really, guys, when if, if 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 our listeners are old enough to remember, when he first started doing that, that was a big deal. Mm. That was a big deal when he did that. And you had kids all across the country trying to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so when Westbrook Aquina did that, I went, yes, that's a perfect exclamation point. I loved it. And I know Mickey Ryan was beside himself. He probably started crying. Coach, I was I was absolutely beside myself. You know me. I'm a historian, so I go back yes. to all those Oiler teams this whole week was just unbelievable to me. And I remember Love You Blue and, and Bum Phillips, and I know you're a Texan, so obviously those were things that you knew as well. Amy Adams Strunk just keeps doing all the right things. That was another whole week of Amy Adams Strunk doing the exact right thing. Oh, absolutely. I was at practice, you know, when they brought those guys in on Friday. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. She is 
She is the absolute best. And look, everything that happens in a National Football League organization starts from the top and works its way down. And 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 right now that uh, our our ownership ownership group headed by Amy Adams Strunk and, and Kenneth and Barkley Adams and and to me it is they're doing all the right things. And and again, what that does though it gives you a feeling throughout the building. You no, know, I'm talking about throughout the entire building that we're doing everything we can to help this football team win. Now, you still got to go out there and play. Does it guarantee you win every game? Not That doesn't happen in the National Football League. But what she has done since she has taken over, and, and she and Kenneth and Barkley as the controlling owners, it's been outstanding. Coach, this segment is always outstanding. Thank you for jumping on with us. Uh, love hearing you and Mike call the games this Sunday. It was just another great one, and uh, can't wait to hear what you got to up your sleeve for the New York Jets on Sunday. Yeah, where are you well, going you know out to eat? You, I know you got a spot in New York. Oh, of course. Blaine, I got a spot everywhere. I've been, <laughs> I've, been with, <laughs> I've been in this league a long time, believe me. I know people and spots everywhere in this league. You're right about that. Coach, one day we'll get your travel guide published and you can tell everybody where they need to hit in all the NFL cities. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Always love being on with you guys. Thanks. Appreciate it, Coach. Coach Mack, the very best. Every, every hour two of every Tuesday show here on Blaine and Mickey. When we come back, you got to give out our game balls. If you want to give out your game ball to a player or players, you can hit us on Zone TV. You can hit us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. You can tweet us at Blaine and Mickey. This is Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Time to give out our weekly Titans game balls. We like to do this on Tuesday. You can give your game ball to an offensive player, a defensive player, a special teams Ooh. player. Our director of content, Blaine Bishop, said, this is something we ought to be doing. And I said, that's right. And he said, Tuesdays would be a good day. And I said, that's right, too. Director of content, Blaine Bishop, always coming up with something funky. And you're the mastermind behind the content. Uh, the show, no, no. I, this, that's a lie. Yeah, you just yeah, try yeah. to make me look good. Yeah, yeah, you were the director of content for this program, have been since its inception. <laughs> when a man gets up every day at like 4 o'clock, he's got a lot of time to come up with content. <laughs> Although I, I, have, I have lost the ability to sleep. I can't sleep at oh, all. So you're right there with me. I'm going to start texting you then at, at, instead of 5, I'll text you at 4. Yeah, well, you could, I, I was, I'd already done a lot of show prep by then. Walked a dog. I'd done it all. Um, Titans game ball of the week. Lucas Panzeca, would you like to award your Titans game balls? Yeah, or just one. No, just one ball. To build off the conversation with Coach Mack, Nick Westbrook-Akina strictly for the Billy White Shoes celebration. Yes, that was pretty awesome, especially knowing his age and Billy White Shoes. He had to actually meet him and then talk to him and then <laughs> uh, Google him, uh, Google YouTube, it. and all of that. And to do that in a game, man, a young guy, I, you're right. But how many Titans players do you think were thinking that day, if I score, I'm doing the Billy White Right. Yeah, I don't think they were. But <laughs> Westbrook again, that was pretty cool. Yeah, a tip of the cap to that rascal. And here's the thing. To do it in front of Billy White Shoes is I, – I have fantasies about things that I could make Billy White Shoes smile, and Nick did it. So good job. <laughs> Not Mick, but Nick. Good job, Nick. All right, well, you're you going you go to give uh, – what are you going to give, a special teamer and I'll do defense, or how you want to do it? Uh, I'll do a special teamer. I, I, I will give the game ball of the season, though, the emeritus game ball to uh, to our man Nick Westbrook-Akina. That, that, was, that was just fantastic. The fact that he's playing so well – now, I know he fumbled. 
let everybody fumble sometimes. Hold on the ball, Nick. But he was playing big minutes down the stretch. They were counting on that dude because your million-dollar guys were both yeah. one with hamstrings and one with yeah. undisclosed tightness. They were over there watching Nick yeah. Westbrook-Akina out there doing the Billy White shoot. Yeah, that, that was awesome. You know, they used to give out game balls when I was playing. But then after they give it to you after the game, though, they also, uh, during the week, they'll give you a painted one with the score and that you were the player of the week. Ooh. So it was painted like a white background, had yeah. the score, the teams, helmets on there. Uh, so that's kind of how I came up, you know, we came up with the idea. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Director of content, game ball winner. Uh, uh, then it was so bad. Once you become a really good player or a great player, those game balls get less and less. I mean, you, you're just like, this expected of you now. Right. I don't like, have a shelf to like, put this like, next Like one. Derrick Henry didn't get the game ball from this last game. <laughs> He, didn't, he was like, I ran for 35 times, man. I carried the whole team. Yeah, 135. I, did you see my pass or something? Did you see my gloves, my claws? He had 31 touches again. What, 28 runs, I think, in yeah. three, so, three so, receptions. So, but, but that's expected. Yeah, but the offensive player is going to go to, you know, uh, Westbrook and Keita. <laughs> he, he stepped up. See, y'all just did it. I mean, we just <laughs> did it. That's exactly what happens. Uh, all right, which one am I doing? Uh, you could do special teams. Special Who, teams. Uh, Mayor of check. Jolton tweeted Blaine and Mickey. says, give Ola a game ball. Ola Definitely he's the defense guy. That's who you have no choice but to go there. Four tackles, one and a half sacks. I think he could have had two. Yeah. He had a TFL. Uh, and he, he still. Ola Wadani. I, mean, I got to give him just an O. It's the O. Big O. Yeah, big O. Big big, o. Hey, big, that's big Oscar. <laughs> big O still had tied for the most special teams reps. He played four people, oh. had 20 special teams oh, reps. He, he wins in a landslide now. He also tied for the lead in special team snaps, Ola Dana. That's pretty that's special. Hey, man, that's a guy who is earning. They all earn their money. But that's a guy who's like, yep, I'll play special teams. Yep, I'll play defense. I'll do it He's all. seizing the opportunity that exists right in front of him. My special teams got Chester Rogers averaged yep, just about 15 yards per punt return, and that's huge to think. get a first down every time you catch a punt. Chester Rogers. Yeah, I agree. I concur, man. Game balls. You can uh, continue to tweet us at Blaine and Mickey. Also got a uh, poll out there that we want you to uh, check out. Are the Titans a top 10 team? We will get into that tomorrow on Blaine and Mickey. But right now, it's time for 3HL on 104.5 The Zone. Yep, and happy Tuesday. It's a beautiful day. So, everyone, stay fresh and comfortable. And as always, be safe out there. And peace. peace.